anecdotes for success. Level up with truth, meaning, trade-offs, perspective. All right, Matt, tonight we have Nicole Eaton on. Uh, this, this one's special. Uh, Nicole was a student of mine. I'm not going to say 100 years ago. Uh, class of... <laughs> 2005 right Nicole a little a little bit ago small time small <laughs> while oh <laughs> uh, it's priceless so yeah thanks for coming on tonight uh start off by just telling us about yourself and and you you can start at any point in time and tell us about your journey and and between Matt and I we'll just ask you a bunch of questions and and the viewers will 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 hear your story yeah. So I'm Nicole Eaton. I am author of the book, Rock Your Soul, The Down to Earth Guide to Master Your Mind. And I'm actually authoring a second book that is just on the verge of getting released. So um, I keep saying next week, but probably next year, if I'm being real honest. So that'll be called Rock Your Comeback, uh, The Down to Earth Guide to Reclaiming Your Power. I'm the host of the Rock Your Soul podcast, creator of Clarity Connects Motivational Speaking Event and Intuitive Therapist. I own my own intuitive therapy company all the things. <laughs> what Nicole, ex explain what intuitive therapy is. Yeah. So I'm actually a licensed mental health counselor. My training in, in my master's degree is in mental health counseling. And somewhere along the line, doing one-on-one -on -one work, you get very personal. Like when people are in front of you and they're just open and they're vulnerable, <laughs> it's really easy to get to a point where you can, um, really feel into their energy and feel who they really are at the core of it, feel their blocks. And so I started to pick up my own intuition about things that I thought they had already told me or things that I was just picking up that they hadn't told me. Uh, so I started to realize that I had a pretty strong intuition and I started to learn about my intuition, which led me to understand that everybody has an intuition and it's actually not this big woo woo crazy thing it's actually just this inner knowing of our soul's like way of guiding us i call it our soul's gps so now i kind of don't do traditional mental health counseling i do counseling with the sense of teaching people how to trust themselves and teaching people how to step back into their power through knowing who they are um through i love i'm like a neuroscience geek i love the power of the brain but I also love spirituality, manifesting, and energy. I 100% believe that where I am today is because I manifested my way here, and then I followed my intuitive uh, nudges to take action. Uh, you just used the key word I was going to ask you about is action, because I'm, I'm, I am, you know, a very big believer in, in our mind in whatever success I, I may have had or may have up to this point. And I say this to people I talk to all the time. I would, I had to convince myself up here first. When I convinced myself here first, I, I said it was over. I, I was, I was on my way. It was gonna happen, and, and I believe that with all my heart. There's nothing about that statement that's woo wooey or anything like that, as you put it either. Uh, I and I'm going back years before where. People didn't have these conversations, so I'm glad you. I'm glad you're saying that. But it always always had to lead to action to me. And so many people I talk to, they're trying to convince themselves of whatever it happens to be. But I feel like sometimes they're not. Um, they don't understand that action is where it's going to take place. So I'm, I'm I'm glad you said that. But let me back up real quick. One of the things I wanted to ask is you're explaining that is. You say you think we all have that intuitively to some degree. Is it something, though, that people can train themselves in to be better at? And and if so, like how? Yeah, so it's a skill set. Um, okay. It is absolutely a skill set. It's like I always say it's like learning to swing a baseball bat. <laughs> um, not as physical, obviously, but your intuition actually grows by listening to less people outside of you and spending more time inside of you. I'm a big advocate for time alone and getting to know your own self, your own energy, because what we've kind of started to do, and I think it's more so because of social media and just the way we socialize now, but you'll see people on Facebook that are like, oh, what should I do about this situation? Then you've got 55 answers. And the reality is, is that you could take any one of those suggestions and they may be great. 
But if they don't feel right to you and they don't resonate with you and you'll feel it in your gut, some people feel it in their heart. Some people just have a knowing. There's so many different ways our intuition speaks to us, but you can honestly just say something true. Like I always say to people, you can really tell by saying something as simple as like, my name is, and then saying your name. And notice how your body doesn't really respond to that. It's just like, okay, my name's Nicole. Like that makes sense, right? Now, if I said, my name is Matt, my stomach just flipped. That's not true. So our body is actually telling us the truth at all time, whether we want to acknowledge it or not. Interesting. Very interesting. It's funny that we talked about our four pillars that we briefly before we start recording. Yeah. And you're, and truth, truth is one of them. And one of the things that I feel and I'll let Paul ask a question because I have a habit of doing this. Um, <laughs> one of the things that I, I believe, and, and you put it in much better words than I have ever been able to, but when I'm not telling the truth, and we all don't in some way, right? We all do this. Yes. We're, we're all humans. We all do it. There is a feeling you get. You just know. Even if maybe you think, like you kind of like believe this is what I'm supposed to say, let's say. This is what I'm supposed to say in this moment. But it's not true. You know it, and you feel it, and it just runs through your body like that. It's very interesting you say that. I'm glad. I'm glad you brought that up as well. And I have a couple other. I keep jotting down questions because I find this fascinating. But Paul, I'm sure you have something to ask um, before I keep blabbering on. Yeah, that, that's kind of you tonight, Matt. Sometimes I have to jump in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're still here. <laughs> yeah, well, that that's okay, because when, when Matt comes to visit in the classroom, he, he knows I, I I hate giving up the stage, so I'm getting better <laughs> at this in my old age. Uh, Nicole, let, let's go back to 2005. I always like taking the 30,000-foot view, and yeah. I think... I'm a big proponent of your journey's your journey and, and not to regret things that you did in the past or maybe not to feel any anything about the past, but except that you are where you are now. Uh, is this exactly where you thought you'd be back in 2005 or what pivots have you taken along the way? Ooh, um, no. <laughs> so I'm I think glad that, you said no. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that we're... Mm, I think that we end up where we're meant to be, right? But I think the one thing I can tie back is that I've always been a really big dreamer. And even though I think in high school, I was quite shy, right? I was really afraid to be myself or open up. And it took me uh, a lot of wrong turns. I've had actually many businesses that have not worked out. Um, but one of the things that was a major pivot in my life is I... I got married at 19 and I actually found out I was pregnant two months later. Um, not intentionally, that was an unexpectedly happy, expect, you know, happy accident. But at the same time, I was still in college and I was, that news rocked my world. It was like, how am I supposed to follow all these big dreams I have for myself and raise a person and be exhausted and sleep deprived and find the money to do it? And there were all these questions and, and that time period of my life was really dark. It was really hard. I write a lot about it in this new book. And I call it the black hole moments, right? These moments that it just feels like you're sucked in and you don't know how to escape them. But that moment had to happen. It gave me all of these gifts that I started to see as time went on that I was so much better at prioritizing my time and that I was just like head down, getting through school. I wanted to be the best. I wanted to get things done. I was doing things in a way I had never done them before. And so it really started to shift, not just to be about me and my dreams, but about how am I going to show my kids how we live life? How am I going to show my kids how to stand in their power? Because when I was in high school, I was so insecure and lacked confidence. Like, how am I going to, I have to be that first. So my mission kind of became how do I step into my own power and reclaim my own power to be able to demonstrate and model for them who I desire for them to be someday eventually? Because I know everybody goes through their own insecurities, but at least if I can set the example, I've done something. It's incredible. Uh, I think one of the greatest superpowers in life is having children because I think it really ground grounds you I think it really focuses you in, in my opinion and yeah 
I, I, it, it's not a burden in any way. Uh, it just really gives you that perspective of, of what you can still accomplish because now you have someone to serve and someone to set the, set, be a role model for. So that's fabulous. And, uh, Matt, go ahead. Nicole, I wanted to ask you, when did you start using words like your power and those kinds of things? I, I don't think back in 2005, six, seven, eight, whenever that, whenever these moments or you were at that point in your life, you were, I'm guessing, so you tell me if I'm wrong, but you were, weren't probably using those same kind of terms, but what, what were, but you obviously had something in your head, like I've got to be a role model or whatever, you know, whatever you said, like, what were you thinking in, in, in those terms? And everyone I think can relate to your saying the black hole moments. Like when you said that, I'm like, you know, like five things flashed before my, yeah. you know, before my eyes. Like, I remember that and I remember that. And, and those were powerful, influential things, things I would never trade, despite them not being maybe wonderful in some ways. So, but when, when did you start looking at it like that and deciding that you were in charge and you were accountable? Um, it took a long time, to be perfectly honest. Um, I, I don't like to sugarcoat depression. I don't like to sugarcoat hardships. I mean, we went through extreme financial hardships with me trying to finish school, my husband working a commission-based job. He was working 12 hours a day and work and commuting too. Like it was just hard. And it took until I graduated. I had my second daughter a week after I graduated with my master's degree to the day. And um and it just took a lot of being knocked down. And I think there's this point where your soul just says there's got to be more. And so I started, I'm like a, I don't like things handed to me. I like to research. I like to know everything about it. And so for me, it became, okay, so there's got to be more, what's more. And so I started obviously diving into more of the mindset because I was already in, you know, school for counseling. So it was all about, you know, how am I going to get my brain on track? And then I actually, it, it, this is really where it switched for me. I found the book, The Secret by Rhonda Burns. I think it was like a gift for Christmas or something. And I opened it up and I realized that my thoughts had power, not just hopeful, wishful possibility. It was that my, my thoughts had power. And I started to dive into not just this manifestation, placing an order to the universe or whatever you believe in with that, but the neuroscience behind why what we believe filters our perceptual world and how we have all of these billions of bits of piece of, of, of stimuli coming in per second. And that's how our brain decides what's important. So when we have better filters, we see better things. That's not woo-woo. That's not spirituality. That's Science. just neuroscience. So combine that with the possibility that maybe the universe does exist. Maybe there is help out there. But even if you can't believe in that, I could believe in the neuroscience part. And so for me, it just became, okay, so if I'm going to go from this insecure, depressed person that I feel like I am right now, what would I need to start to be willing to believe to get me on the other side? And for me, that was confidence. I manifest for confidence still every day. That's just something that I decide I am when I wake up in the morning. But it wasn't without being intentional about repeating it over and over because a repeated thought becomes a belief and that becomes our filter for the world. So mm. it was a journey to program my mind, but I'm where I'm at because I took the time and intentionally, I mean, I write every single morning. I write a letter to the universe. That's really my wheelhouse. And I write a thank you letter as all is if everything that I desire is the case. And more often than not, I don't write for things people traditionally manifest. I write for my internal dialogue. I write for how I speak to myself, how I view myself, how I feel in my body. I write for energy every day, all of that. I love the way you use the word filter for that because that's, I, again, I have these thoughts on things and I've been through things, but I, I have trouble sometimes putting them into words. So I love it when like in this case, you use that. That's exactly what I've done in my life. I never could put it into words as, as, as well as you have, but I, I now I can, thank you. Um, but, that, but that's what it is. That's what it is. Yeah. It's a filter because I've got to convince myself these are the – these are the things that are important, and that will allow me to filter out, out, and for me anyway, I think, a lot of things that 
aren't important so I can focus on the things that are. And, and I've never heard it put like that, but that's, that's perfect. So thank you. You're welcome. Nicole, I, I think people spend so much of the day being distracted when they don't even realize it. Right. I, I mean, we could go through all the different ways it happens, but how, and maybe there's no answer to this, or maybe you can just use your experience, but how important is it, A, you mentioned it earlier, to spend time alone with your thoughts. Is there a best time of day to do that, a best method, and, and how long should someone do it, or, or does all this depend, and what's your, what's your experience with it all? Um, if, if you I... get anything out of that question, sorry. <laughs> so remember when we talked about intuition in the beginning? Yeah. This is going to be up to what feels right to you. My husband is a night owl. He does his best work at midnight to 3 a.m. And I need to be in bed by like 9.30. <laughs> so I'm a morning person. I love to create the momentum of my day by deciding how it's going to go. I decide any meetings, any I wrote for the podcast today. I wanted to, you know, show up and provide value and in good energy and had a whole structure for what I energetically just would love to be for you guys and for your show. Um, but I really just decide how my day is going to go. And I think that creates a momentum. Like if you start off like, oh, shit, it's going to be a bad day. It's Monday. Like it creates momentum. More thoughts gather like thoughts. More thoughts like that gather like feelings more feelings gather the emotion and the emotion creates the action. So it's all this big chain of events. So for me, I like morning, but I'll tell you when my kids were little and waking up at 5am, that wasn't going to happen for me. I was going to do it at night. I would, I was really strict on bedtime, but I needed to be doing this type of work at 9pm because that's all I had. So I think in different seasons, it may look different and different time, you know, times and parts of your life, it may look different in the summer as I'm not waking up at, you know, as early as I do in the, you know, school season. So it's really dependent on what feels right. I don't, I don't like to force things necessarily. I like consistency, but I use the two minute rule through a, I don't know if you've read Atomic Habits by James Clear. It's no, a fantastic read. Oh gosh, you run to get that book. Um, but he talks about consistency is the most important thing. So even if we just do it for two minutes, we're still honoring our consistency and our commitment to ourselves. So I'm not big on forcing it. If it feels right, do it. And there's so many different ways to spend time alone with yourself. Maybe it's meditation. Maybe it, for me, it's writing. Some people it's exercise or running. For some people uh, it's cooking and cleaning. Like there's little things we can do to spend time with ourselves that aren't the stereotypic, you have to sit down and sit in this position and not think like the whole thing is just overworked. <laughs> I, I, that, that's incredible. I wake up every day and I have an index card by a chair where, where I get started writing, have my coffee, and the words are simply be consistent every day. And yeah. it doesn't have anything to do with a time frame, but you know, there's, there's good and bad days. And, you know, being positive doesn't mean, you run around like a bobblehead and smile all the time. It just means, you know, you can positively get through everything. Right. And you, you can't do it if you're not consistent. So uh, the James Clear book, Matt, that's a must read. Wrote yeah. down. Nick, I've got two great. books down so far, Nicole, and I'm, <laughs> I love to read. My, I love it. And Atomic Habits and The Secret. I'd like to read that as well. You said it was powerful for you. So uh, let me ask you this. So you work with, do you work with clients like one-on-one? -on -one? And so when you work with someone new, is there a, is there a consistency with what you kind of do with them? You know, let's just say I'm someone who's listening right now and going, I need that, you know, yeah. meaning what, what you provide. What, what does that look like? Or is it just depend on the person and their circumstances? Yeah. It, there's no cookie cutter way to heal and there's no cookie cutter way to step into your power. Everybody is going to need something different. So I'm really blessed to have had so much training and tools to figure out where people are in the process. Some people are not willing to believe. So we start with smaller things, which is as silly as just getting in your body. I know that sounds funny, but when we're in survival mode, we're actually not fully present in our body survival mode is that like have you ever seen somebody who's just like clear chaos <laughs> like just swirling around in chaos like I've they're been, not really I've been in it 
I know yeah. what it is. I've, I've lived it. I do. And, and you can't think outside the moment. You know what yeah. I mean? Everything is an emergency in a sense. And, and, and people live their whole lives like that in many cases or years at a time. So I'm not joking at, at all. I'm, I'm only laughing a little bit because I've been in that moment. And you, it's very difficult to make good decisions in that when you're in that mindset. So go on. Yeah. Yeah. No. So that's like we call that survival mode because okay. your brain is literally in the mode of surviving, which means it's only looking for things directly in front of you to be concerned about so it can survive. So if somebody comes to me and they're in survival mode, that's kind of my sign to get them back in their body, to get them mm. back to the basics, make sure they're sleeping, make sure they're eating. And like all of this stuff is part of our wellness. Um, even like our, my family, one of my daughter's best friends had the flu. Um, and so my daughter started to get uh, like a little scratchy throat and I'm under the belief. And so is she that our bodies know how to heal themselves. Our bodies know how to heal themselves. And so we go back to the basics. So instead of flipping into that, oh God, I'm going to have the flu now. Like this is what we're doing. It's kind of just about meeting people where they're at. But the first step would be to get back to the basics. My second step would teach them the power of how their thoughts are impacting them. And then I usually dip into the intuition and spirituality manifestation piece. But it, it, everybody's different. It's really, really cool working with people and just hearing their stories and hearing like those deeper thoughts, because as much as we like to believe everyone's got their shit together, like nobody does. Nobody I've worked does. with really <laughs> impressive CEOs of massive, massive companies and no, nobody does. No, we're all just trying we're out here, you know? Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> Is there, is there, Paul, I know you want to ask a question, but just a quick follow-up on that. Is there anything that you notice in people, there's just something that we all have that it's like, you know, it's very common. Most people do it, and I mean that in a negative way. Like, they're doing something that, that they, they could easily change to help them move forward in a positive way. Like, one thing, or is there one thing that stands out? And if there's not, there's not. But I'm just curious. If you see something, like, all the time, it's, yep, self, self-loathing self or, you know, or whatever. I don't know. I think one of the common denominators would be that we all have this, we all have negative self-talk. The brain isn't built for happiness. It's built for survival. So it is prone to that. It, the difference between the people who are successful is they push through it and they don't let it have the final say, you know, because we all, it, even cool. with like major companies, like everybody has imposter syndrome too. Like I've not met one person who's successful, who's a hundred percent there all the time. It's the willingness to push through the bad thought to see what's on the other side, the willingness to take the risk to see what's on the other side. That's, that's the difference between the people who get stuck and the people who don't. Love it. Really, really hit that hits home it really does yeah uh, paul i, I looked like you're gonna ask a question because yeah i can keep I, going but i don't want to dominate it. I, i'm just here i'm not trying to interrupt you know uh <laughs> nicole uh how's how's it i don't know if this is too personal how's the dynamic with with the family like do your children buy into what you're doing yeah um my daughter has uh, she's, I'm letting her explore her own, like, spiritual beliefs. Like, I don't push any of that on my kids. But what I do model, I guess, is what I'll, the word I'll use, is how our mind works and how powerful it is. It's undisputable science. No one's going to go back and be like, yeah, that's probably not how it goes. Um, so I let them know every day how powerful they are when, uh, my daughter Kylie is a little more prone to feeling anxious. Um, notice I did say feeling anxious rather than having anxiety. It's something we mm -hmm. feel, not something we are. Um, but she is a little more prone to that. So we, we do intentionally work a little harder together. So we'll talk about before bed we'll go through and say, okay, so how do you want your day to go tomorrow? How do you want to feel? How do you want to like, how do you want to experience your time with your friends? How do you want to feel like uh, intellectually in school? Do you want to feel like you're really smart and with it tomorrow? Like we just go through and kind of set her up for sleeping well and starting over the next day. So I think everybody, I mean, my husband definitely is on board. He's also created an incredibly successful business himself. So we've been very lucky 
I know some people, when they come, they start doing like mindset work. They have somebody at home who's not on board. Um, but I've been very, very lucky that everybody in my house is like, we talk about manifestation. We talk about mindset. We talk about energy, all of those things all the time. And it's not weird at all. I think it's great that you, and you said it laughing, but it makes sense. It's not weird at all. It shouldn't be weird at all. Right. And yeah. the fact you're having those consistent conversations, I mean, wow, what a skill set and mindset you're, you're arming with your children with. I think it's fantastic. N yeah, Nicole, I, so you the, the you said this early on. I made a note of it, but I wanted to go go back to it because you you you're talking about mental health at, at the beginning. It came up at the beginning. Do you think that we are having in this country in the world? I I, I don't know uh, a mental health crisis more than more than prior to. And then I have a follow up on that. But like, what's your thought on like our, you know, mental health? And, and by that, I just I mean, mental health. Like you you said I'm feeling anxious, not I have anxiety that didn't go over my head, believe me. And then you're talking about, um, um, well, I'll follow up with that after that. But what, what what's your opinion on mental health and even like drug abuse and you know, we have a, we seem to be having a crisis with with drug abuse in this country. I mean, are these things connected in your mind and, and with what you do? Yeah. So a, a couple things. Mental health is on issues are on the rise, right? Okay. Um, across the board in the U.S., we have more mental health issues than ever. I don't know, are people more aware of mental health because we have all these forums and platforms for people to talk about it? I know if I jump on TikTok, I've got a bunch of people, you know, identifying ADHD. The thing that I have a problem with, with the whole, with this whole thing is that to have a diagnosis, it really is meant to be a debilitating issue that is stopping you from living your best life. Our bodies in our lives go through phases of sadness or phases of anxiety or phases of um, feeling a little all over the place or feeling chaotic. So I think we're getting a little too quick to jump on because you're experiencing the emotion in a tough season of your life that it's a diagnosis. Who you are, right? Yeah. So, I, so for me, that creates a little bit of a learned helplessness, right? There's, there's this issue around I become somebody who believes that I'm not capable of more because I have this thing or I am this thing instead of, okay, I'm somebody who's experiencing this feeling, but at the source of this, I'm actually quite powerful. And I don't know if you've uh, read up on this, but they did a study recently that kind of debunked, and this is a little controversial, so sorry guys, I'm throwing this at you, but it awesome. debunked um, that that there was a chemical imbalance in the way they had previously thought in depression. So they went through and said, okay, so maybe that's not it. And so uh, Andrew Huberman, who's a host of the Huberman Lab podcast, he's incredible neuroscientist. And what he said, okay, so if this is true, then what we really might have is neural rigidity. Neural rigidity is just a thought that we've thought for a long time. That's basically mm. what creates a neural pathway. So by choosing to think new thoughts, which is what I'm really teaching right now is right. Um, that we can actually possibly potentially work ourselves out of these bigger, deeper issues. So I think it's spreading partially because it's being self-diagnosed and people are seeking out medication rather than, and there's nothing wrong with medication. There are times where that's absolutely required and people need it to get out of really dark black hole moments, right? But we're also not asking people to do the work on their mindset that's going to keep them out of that long-term. So we're kind of creating all these shortcuts. We also have more disconnection than ever. And connection is literally what our, what our whole soul needs. Like we need to be connected in person with one another. So the last few years, I mean, people have just not done well because they're not connecting. So I think there's just, a, and then we have, you know, obviously drugs and alcohol on the rise, but people are escaping more than ever because their brains from a young age at this point are trained to escape through social media, through YouTube, through more avenues and quicker, faster, at our fingertip avenues than ever before. So I think that our whole society is kind of set up 
not against us, but not helping us out and helping us get in our own energy and connect with the people in front of us and be present in our day, which is where our joy really comes from. Does that make sense? It no, it it absolutely makes sense, and that's my perception, Nicole, and that's that's what I. Everything you said makes sense there, and again, you're much more articulate with it than I would be. But it makes a lot of sense, and that's my gut. But I didn't have the I don't have the science and the in the and the data and the experience that you have to back back it up. It's just what me as a as a citizen and someone who pays attention and talks to people and you know has somewhat of an education and somewhat of an experience in life goes. This is what I'm seeing, and this makes sense to me. Uh, but I wanted to ask someone who's much more in the know than I am, because that's my perception. And, and you validated a lot of what I thought, um, but it's important. And, and the reason my follow up to that, Nicole, and the reason I wanted your, you, to, you to tell me what you tell us what you thought was the, the, our second pillar in what Paul and I always talk about is meaning. And meaning is my favorite one, I think, meaning, meaning or trade offs, but meaning I have this thing, and I always tell this story where I have a daughter, okay? And, and at one point, my mother said to me, I know I, I know you want – my daughter's name Lauren. I know you want Lauren to be happy. And my response to that was, no, I don't. And, and now I sound like a terrible father, but I'm going somewhere. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and, uh, and I love my daughter more than anything in the world, so let's get that out there. But, but I said, look, what I really want for my daughter is for her to have meaning in her life. And, and – and this has taken years and years and years of thought. You know, this was this wasn't just one moment. This is where I'm gravitating to, and I want you to I want you to tell me if you think I'm right, wrong, partially right, partially wrong. And and I like I'm trying to think through this. I'm trying to figure this out. But what I really think we're telling so many people every day, and I told Paul's class and some other classes this yesterday is. We're telling people to chase happiness, and it's impossible because you said it already. Our brains aren't set up for happiness, right? You said right. that earlier. They're set up for survival, and what I and I agree with that. But what I what I think they're set up for is an adventure. They're set up to pursue something meaningful and some sort of adventure. And as we all know, when you're on an adventure, you're not always happy. Happiness is fleeting ups and downs and comes and goes and that kind of thing but adventures like we know inherently when we're on them and they're awesome and they know they're not always fun you know what i mean not all of them anyway and we grow from them and we come out literally a different human being in my opinion so i'm trying to think through this and tell when i talk to people like stop chasing happiness because when you don't have it you have your black hole moments or whatever you know whatever they happen to be you think that you're doing something wrong you think you have a problem you think you have a a, a, a chemical imbalance or whatever the diagnosis might be and you just might be going through a time in your life where you're not going to have a tremendous amount of happiness but if you're on an adventure i feel like that's part of it and we don't get so down on ourselves and we work through it better and it's again i've been working through this so tell me what you think about that i love your theory i think i i, to I hear what you're saying and i and I, in a lot of ways i agree that the process is where we where we shine the process is our day-to-day -day and and the happiness are those fleeting moments up top and but I also believe that we can be intentional about creating joy in our day. And joy for me is a little bit more of a longevity than happiness. Happiness for me is that explosive, fun energy. And joy for me is that, oh, it feels really nice to drink a cup of coffee on my front porch uh, while the sun rises. Or it feels really nice to have some quiet time on a Sunday morning so I can just write and maybe get a workout in. It's joy and appreciation are really closely tied for me. And so I think that you can have the process. And I would, I would, I would add this on to your theory of okay. the adventure. I love an adventure. It's also appreciating every step in the adventure because that will create the happiness, but that will also create the joy in the meantime. Sure. And I, you know, but I, I think happiness looks different for everybody and joy looks different for everybody. And it's really, going to be different in every season and especially in the low moments the the joy might just be the shower it might just be that neutral point so i think i wouldn't tell a child to chase a high like that right because right. we'll be chasing for a long time but i also would encourage them to also find small moments that 
bring them joy or small moments where they can look around and say, okay, well, today was crap, but at any moment of the um, day, I can start over. And because I can start over at any moment of the day, what I can do is I can watch my favorite movie tonight, or I can find ways to incorporate joy into my day not necessarily happiness, but I know how to take care of myself and I love myself and I value myself and I show up for myself even at my lowest. Does that make sense? It, it makes sense. And it, it, I, I like it because uh, it's wonderfully positive and adds some self-control to the situation, right? I can fill in the blank, watch my favorite movie, whatever, because I'm also a big believer in it's the process and the journey that has been that that that's what I love. That's what I'm involved in. You know, I've had my own, and I'm and I'm on it. It'll, for me, it'll never end. You know, I'm, I'm yeah, just, I'm I'm on it. And but I like to teach, tell people like you got to take control of your life. You got to take control. So I like what you're at. It's, I, I thank you for your answer because that's I don't want it to sound negative because it's not to me. And I like when people can. I love when people take control and and not just go go with you know go with what's what's happening and to be able to say maybe i've had a bad day or a bad week or whatever it is but here's some ways i can bring joy to myself and 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 i can be the one in control of that i i love that so thank you yeah and like one of the things that i think about is before when i had you know issues with depression that would last i mean weeks or months you know like it was just the longevity it's not that you're never going to have a bad day or that just bad situations aren't going to happen. It's how long do you let yourself stay there? Mm. For me, like the, the biggest success I see with my clients is things that would have taken them out for two weeks before are bothering them for the day and they're resetting and reclaiming their life for the next. And I think that's like the power. It's not that, you know, you're not going to have losses or hardships. It's that, are you going to stay in the energy that sucks are you know are you going to how long are you going to let yourself live there or are you going to grieve through it process through it and then climb your way back up uh, nicole are there any real are there any oh, go ahead. uh is that the majority of your clients i mean uh, do you come across people who just have different levels of challenges with pulling themselves out of that um that it's more than just their attitude or i'm probably using the wrong word so excuse that please but like like are there just some people that you're like you need a different level of um attention or medication or 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 whatever yeah um so when i worked in traditional mental health setting i would say yes most people come to me um, and are willing to pay for my services when they're at a place where they're ready to take responsibility for their life. And I think that's the key. So I'm really good at manifesting what kind of clients come to me. And I've been really lucky because I get the most incredible clients who are just willing to take ownership over where they're at and be open to be guided on where to go. So in the past, yeah, I've had some people, I used to have mandated clients at um, a traditional counseling office and that was a whole <laughs> journey. You cannot make somebody change who does not want to change. That message is for everybody. Um, but yeah, that that's the hardest part is somebody who isn't willingness or doesn't have a willingness, but for who does, if they okay. have a willingness, anything's possible. If there's something there that's saying, okay, I'm sick of the way things have been going. Or I feel like I want to make this big jump and, and I'm, you know, I, I'm scared. I have a lot of fear. Like any of those, those are the people who find me. And I always believe that the right people find me, the right people like hear my messages and they're like, yes, I need to work with her. And again, I always set the intention that their intuition calls them towards me if it's the right fit. So I've been really lucky to not have anybody in quite some time that isn't willing at least to move forward. Yeah. Yeah. Nicole, I'm, I'm going to flip it quick. Uh, I mean, Matt just talked about happiness and I love the comeback you had with the joy and the appreciation of things. Uh, how do you convince clients or, or anybody in general that, that the negative, the bad times, the, the harsh times, the adversity, how do you convince them that that's part of this whole process? Because it's going to happen, right? Um, I 
don't convince anybody of anything. Um, I will say that is <laughs> I'm not out to sell sell the way I see the world. Um, I am passionate about that and I'll share what I believe, but I'm not ever going to make anybody go up against something that doesn't feel true and right to them. But one thing that I wrote in my book is that every everything that's good in life has a process where initially it's shit, you know, it's got to be alchemized into that goodness or those hardships and suffering without meaning is just suffering. And so we can sit in the suffering and we can look at it and be, you know, in despair about it, but without figuring out the meaning or at least being willing to believe it has meaning, we can't move forward. I think acceptance is the great power tool of not fighting that something happened. I know people in the last couple of years who have lost their jobs or lost relationships or lost uh, people they love. And it's just like, I can't believe this happened. And I could have done things different. And it's, um, Oprah has this quote, and I always put a little spin on it, but she says, moving on means that you have to be willing to give up the hope that the past could have been different. And I think about that a lot, especially when we're in those low points is, are you willing to give up the hope that the past could have been different? Are you willing to accept where you're at and neutralize that energy? I can't speak for crazy, terrible things in this world, but I do believe that there is meaning to the things that happen. Um, and I know that sometimes if we look really far back and maybe not at this incident that's fresh in that black hole that's new, but if we look really far back, a lot of times we can see that we lost a job, but we ended up getting a different one and met the love of our life. Or we uh, you know, ended up losing that relationship but thank God, because that wasn't the right fit anyway. And that person ended up in, you know, jail or something. Like, it's just, we have this vision of our past because we've seen why it didn't work out. And I believe that, like, when things don't work out right now, at least, they're not meant to. And so when we accept that, we actually neutralize all the energy. We neutralize just that momentum I talked about earlier in our brain. Um, but I... I wrote, I mean, like five, six chapters on the importance of the valleys, the importance of the seed being planted. It has no idea how long it's in the dark for. It has no idea. It could be there. There's some seeds that are planted and don't bloom for, I think, five years. There's like this Chinese uh, tree. But if it gives up in the dark, it detaches from all of its potential. So we have choices in the dark. We can accept it. We can process through it with somebody we trust or with our own, you know, own ways of doing that. But I really believe that if you're willing to find the meaning in the hardship and you might not see it for a long time, you know, I, there was times where I was in my deep darkness and I was like, I don't want you to tell me this happened for a reason because I, you know, I believe that's garbage, but I do believe that we unlock pieces of our personality to do it. I unlocked so many things in myself that I don't know if I would have ever become because of that dark time. So it's like a tough thing to process because people get very stuck in the dark and they get, you know, does, does the universe even exist? Did it forget about me? Like there's, there's those hard questions, but I think there's two things that for me made it uh, possible to move out of it and acceptance was one and then just taking it day by day like taking a day by day approach okay so just for today I'm gonna wake up and I'm going to take care of myself just for today you know if you're at a really low point I'm gonna wake up and I'm gonna shower when we start to follow through with these tiny tiny promises to ourselves that's how we build self-trust so even if it's just I'm gonna drink a half a glass of water every morning and somebody's able to do that and follow through with that, their brain is taking note. Okay, I can follow through with things. I'm mm. somebody I can trust. Mm. But it's a different process for everybody. The, the black hole moments are a very different process for everybody. That's, that's incredible. I, I've, I'm going to stop using the word convince now. It's, it's acceptance, right? Yeah. And consistency. Man. Matt? What, Nicole made you decide to write a book and what made you think that you were capable and and smart enough and you know I, I, I've, I've thought 
about that at times myself, and I'm like, what, what makes me think I know enough to, you know what I mean? And that, that talk about imposter syndrome, right? You know what? What? And I'm, I, I mean, I'm impressed, and I love the fact that you wrote a book. This is, the, the, but I could see this being a difficult decision for anyone who decides to write a book. So, what, what drove you to do it, and what made you think you could? Had the nerve to get away with doing it, and let, let alone let alone a second one, Nicole. Yeah, no, that's a great question because I I I didn't. <laughs> so um, <laughs> so I I started it because the idea, the inspired action, right? We talked about that earlier. Your soul. I, I was saying earlier, I've been a big dreamer my entire life, and there's always things that I've desired for myself, and writing a book was one of them. Um, and I had all of these all of these things that I would work on with clients, mindset being a big one. And I had a client that said, can you write this stuff down for me? And every time she'd come in, she goes, would you write this stuff down for me? And I was mm -hmm. like, I could, I could do that. And I, and I had this dreamer thing in the back of my head where I always wanted to be a writer, right? That was something I always wanted to do. And I was like, I'm going to write this. I'm going to write a book. And then halfway through the book, this is a, this is a awful story, but true. <laughs> um, I had an incident with my laptop and it erased everything oh. and I did not back it up, back it up. So I lost 180 pages oh of an almost finished book. And of course I'm looking at that, like, okay, the universe does not want me to write a book. I was way <laughs> off on that. Like, I don't know what I was thinking. Um, but I realized that I had maybe included too many types of ideas and that I needed to kind of weed it down. So it was actually a blessing in disguise that I lost that book because I was able to get really clear about the message. Rock Your Soul is not a long book. Some people read it in like a four hour sit, you know, they just sit and read the whole thing from start to finish. Um, I like that because it gives me like, it feels good when I finish something that I'm reading. Uh, but yeah, I mean, several times throughout this journey, I was like, well, am I not supposed to do this? But I always come back to that initial gut pull that I feel called that people need to know the stuff that I know, that that there are some things that I need to share. And um, why why not me? There's worse books out there. There's worse <laughs> books that have been written. I read worse books. Like <laughs> at the end of the day, like if my journey on this planet is just doing whatever the hell I feel like, you know, doing whatever I feel like, I feel like writing a book. And I definitely had to go back in and do a lot of self-talk on the way. And I met this guy, his name's Aurel Moody. He does the art of likability. He's actually out of Syracuse. He's a really, really impressive dude. Um, and he told me, he goes, I was like, he's like, you done with that book yet? And I was like, Oh, you know, not yet. And he was like, Nicole done is better than perfect. And so I just started operating out of that mentality of like, I don't need it to be perfect. I don't need to go back through and re-edit every section 25 times. I just need to get it out there because I believe that someone needs to read it. And so mm. for me, it was a lot of different <laughs> roller coaster vibes of should I, shouldn't I? But I have to come back to that initial feeling of like, yeah, I was meant to do this. And sounds like an adventure. Sounds like an adventure to me, Nicole. It is not for <laughs> happiness. <laughs> right. Exactly. No, that's, 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 I admire, I admire the heck out of it. I, I truly do. Yeah. Oh, uh, Thank you. Help help us out how how do how do people find out more about you your books your social media they can connect with you on this this yeah. is your time to plug all that that's me um okay so i am pretty easily accessible www.nicoleeaton.com my name has an h in it so it's not traditional nicole my parents made it weird have to get <laughs> custom jewelry and everything um and then uh instagram and tiktok it's nicoleeaton.xo um, I usually spend more time on TikTok to be perfectly honest. That's where most of my content goes. Okay. And, uh, yeah, email me, DM me. I love chatting. I love, um, I love doing things like this. And I'm, I'm so grateful that you guys brought me on. This was a fun conversation and, and I love explaining things that I do to people who aren't familiar with it. So thank you for not researching me and <laughs> being surprised <laughs> by all the things that have been flying out of my mouth. But thank you. I really appreciate it. You bet. I've, I've watched your journey for seven, well, not quite 17 and a half years because, you know, it, it didn't happen right then. But 
uh yeah that that's why we love these conversations because we like to just dive right into it and explore with complete curiosity so thanks for coming on yeah thank you this was fun it, it was fun nicole thank you you know it's super interesting what you do and and um you're super passionate about it and and you know, educated yet curious and, and, and all those things are just great qualities and, um, and anyone, but certainly someone to have a, a interesting conversation with. So, and it was, uh, you know, for me, eye opening in a lot of ways. And, and I like to, like, my questions are generally off the cuff and unbelievably like sincere, you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm yeah. like, I'm, when we get done, Paul and I talk about this all the time. When we get done with these conversations, you know, particularly the ones that really just get your blood pumping, it's like, I feel like I could talk for hours and hours about, you know, with, with interesting people. So thank you for taking the time to do that with us. And I, uh, I think what you're doing matters, you know, and, and, and okay. that is, uh, that is not easy, you know, to, to do. And so, I, I'm sure you will, but I hope you keep doing what you're doing and and uh, making a difference in people's lives because not everyone gets to do that. And and um, you know, good for you for for putting in the work to do that. Thank you. I mean, that means a lot. It's been a um, it's been definitely a journey to uh, overcome my own bullshit to get here. So. <laughs> Right, right. Actually, I was joking around with my husband. I was like, did they mean to book you? It's a success <laughs> anecdotes podcast. And, uh, but no, there's some actually very exciting things happening with this second book. So I'll be able to clue you guys in pretty soon. But um, yeah, thank you. This was so fun. Maybe I'll have you guys on my podcast if you if you end up having some free time. Absolutely. Would love to. Do keep us posted on the second book and everything as well. But, you know, we'd, I'm sure Paul was going to say it, but... It'd be it'd be fun to have you on again. Absolutely. Well, thank you. I would love to come on again. Yeah, that would be yeah. Once I um, start launching this book, I'm I'm waiting to see um, some options that are in front of me and and where they end up. But yes, I cool. will definitely reach back out. But I'll uh, link up with Paul and see when you guys are free to maybe join on on uh, Rock Your Soul. Awesome, Thanks, Nicole. Yes, thank you. I hope you guys have a good night. You too, Nicole. You too. Thank you. Bye.